Hallelujah. We're going to get into the word pretty quickly this morning. Man, glory to God. This is the month of freedom. I was, I was thinking about this um, when Pastor Edwin was teaching, the offering teaching. And I was thinking about how one of the, the biggest, what I believe is one of the biggest mistakes in the body of Christ is that you only identify with Jesus as a lamb and not a lion. And so if you only see him as a lamb led to slaughter, you forget that he's also the lion of Judah that has a mighty roar. And so then the position of your life becomes to tolerate how much stuff you can tolerate instead of taking your righteous position as a believer and understanding that there are things that should be under your feet. You're not called to bondage. Say, I'm not called to bondage. You're not called to bondage. You're not called to addiction. You're not called to sexual sin. You're not called to bad relationship after bad relationship. You're not called to sickness and disease in your body. You are not called to poverty, to lack, to mental torment. You are not called to that. But you have to know that the God that you serve, that the Jesus that redeemed you, he is not just a lamb. He is also a lion. And he has given us authority. Say, I have authority, I have authority. over all the power of the enemy. Amen. So we're going to be talking about how freedom comes from Jesus. Freedom comes from Jesus. Amen. Jesus, we need an encounter with you today. Amen. See, when the word gets ready to go forth, you have to put a demand that you're going to get something out of the word. I've been going to church a long time. Here's what I know. I know that in the same service, somebody can get healed while somebody goes to sleep. In the same service, somebody can get their breakthrough where somebody said nothing happened. It's all about the position of your heart. Is your heart ready to receive from Jesus? Have you thought about the bondage that you're in? Are you ready to be free? Are you open for the word to do the work that it does? Because the word always works. Tell your neighbor, say the word always works. The word always works. So let's pray and then let's get into these scriptures this morning. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. We declare that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We lift you up high in your rightful place. We thank you for Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are redeemed and restored. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have the right to come to the throne and cry, Abba, Father. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have been adopted and we are sons of God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come now. Fill this place. Holy Spirit, change, lead, guide us into all truth as you promise. And come with power, breaking every chain. Hallelujah. We have great expectation that your word works. We have proof that your word works. We have history that your word works. And we expect it to work again today. And we believe that we will never be the same again in the name of Jesus. We'll never be the same again. Anybody who's pulling on, I'll never be the same again. I'll never be the same again. No, I'll never be the same again. You can go home however you want to, but I'll never be the same again. I will never, I won't leave until I get a word today that changes my life. I will never be 
the same again. If I just get one issue broke off of my life, I'll never be the same again. There has to be a high demand of faith for the word to produce. There has to be a high demand of faith for the word to produce. When Jesus walked in the flesh, Jesus went to a town and he said, I can't do nothing here because they don't believe for nothing. What are you believing for? Are you believing for freedom? Are you sick of your cycle? Are you sick of your bondage? Are you sick of being bound? Freedom comes from Jesus. And no man comes to Jesus believing and doesn't receive. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you several scriptures because your life is changed by the word. Amen. Say, my life is changed by the word. Let's start with John 8. John 8 and 31. John 8 and 31. Hallelujah. This is our month of freedom. We're thankful for all the signs, wonders, and miracles that we've already seen this year. We thank you for all of the healings we have already seen this year. We thank you for all of the jobs we've already seen this year. We thank you for the marriages we've seen restored this year. We thank you for the minds that we've already seen regulated this year. But we are not done. We are not done. We are not even close to being done. Amen. In John 8, 31. He says, so, so Jesus said to those Jews which had believed in him, if you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. So I want you to stop and think about this. This is what Jesus says. He says, he said to the people who were believers, not the people who weren't believers. He says, if you are a believer, then if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciple. And then the truth you know will make you free. So one of the ways that you can tell whether you actually know the word is if it's producing freedom. He didn't say the truth you memorize will make you free. He didn't say the truth that you could regurgitate and highlight on your Bible app would make you free. He says the truth that you become intimately acquainted with will produce freedom in your life. It's like this. When you and I take the word of God in our hearts, we get pregnant with truth. And that truth will produce a baby called victory. And so he says the truth you know will make you free. And so we have to be careful as intelligent beings, as intellectual beings with the ability to have comprehension and understanding to not think that because we have heard something quoted or we have quoted something ourselves that we actually have it. The word is designed to produce freedom. The word is designed to dismantle whatever had you bound. So if you have a struggle in your mind, it says that if you begin to meditate on the word of peace, the word of peace will begin to produce freedom. It will begin to tell you where it is that you need to go for help, what you need to do, what you need to cut out of your life, what you need to add into your life. And it says if you follow it, 
if you follow it, not just if you hear it. I was thinking about this. We're not called to be fans of Jesus. We're called to be followers. Well, what's the difference in a fan? A fan is an enthusiastic devotee that's a spectator. I started out using a represent an example about the hogs, right? All these people comment about the hogs, but don't go out there and play nothing. They talk about how somebody should have run the route this way and that, and they couldn't run a route if they life saved. They don't, I mean, they don't even know what really what a route is other than they heard the commentators, commentators say. They say stuff like, I can't believe they missed that free throw. You missed free throws in PE. Wasn't nobody even around you. It wasn't no game on it, no nothing. You missed them in, in PE, but now you don't understand how in a championship game somebody missed a free throw. Baseball pitcher, you could have pitched better than that, right? But when you was in P baseball, they didn't let you pitch. But now you could. See, fans are people who are devoted, and they have a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of commentation, but they don't actually do anything. And so, but followers are actually in the game. Followers, they actually we're called to be disciples. That means we hear what God is saying and then we do it. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, so you can't just hear. You got to hear and do. You got to hear and do. As parents, one of the things that we absolutely hate as parents is when you're trying to explain something to your kids and they go, something they didn't do right. And they go, what do all the kids go? They go, I know. Well, clearly you don't. Because if you knew, we wouldn't have to have this conversation, right? If you really knew how to wash the dishes right, if you were intimately acquainted with cleaning the kitchen and your room, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. We're having this conversation because while you may intellectually know it, you're not intimately acquainted with it. Because if you were intimately acquainted with it, the room would already be clean and you would be free to go do the next thing that you want to do. See how adhering to the word will produce freedom in your life? There has to begin to be something in the life of the believer that says, I will not stay bound. There has to be something in your life that says, I will not stay bound. I may come bound, but I won't stay bound. And I will do whatever it takes in order to be free. A lot of people want freedom. But when it comes time to pay the price for freedom, they're not really interested in that because freedom is convenient. Pastor Edwin said when he started this morning, he said, what did he say? He said, freedom is never, you remember what he said? He says, never given. Freedom is taken. So here's what happened. Jesus says, freedom is yours. And then the devil goes, wait. I'm not going to let you be free. I, I've had your family broke for four generations. Ain't no way in the world you think I'm about to just let you walk out of poverty. Nobody in your family has had a good marriage. You think I'm just going to let you have a good marriage? You know what you did as a teenager. You think I'm just going to let your teenagers be good? And so when you don't understand that you have an enemy working towards your freedom and you only see Jesus as a, a lamb, then when trouble shows up to take what God gave you, you don't know how to stand or what to do. Believers are not passive. Tell your neighbor that say believers are not passive. Believers are intentional about going after our freedom.
It's why we like movies like Taken. It's why we like the, the superhero movies. It's why we like, it's like this idea that somebody comes after you. If somebody breaks into your home, you just go, hey, well, take all my stuff. Go. I'm, all right, cool. I don't want no problems with you. I mean, literally, in the natural, some of you want to fight people because they pull out in front of you in traffic. No, fight them. You want to pull them down. You want to get them out of their car, and you want to fight them, but you don't want to fight for the freedom in your mind. If, if, a, if a cashier throws your change, if a waitress makes you sit three minutes and act like she don't see you, you're ready to flip the table like Jesus did in the temple, but you won't read a book to save your marriage. You have to go after your freedom with aggression. Let's look at Psalms 119.45. Psalms 119.45. Say, I'm going after my freedom. Say, everything that God has given me, I am protecting it. See, God has given me freedom. I got to protect that freedom. I got to understand that I got an enemy that wants that freedom. Wants to put me back in bondage. Wants to keep me as crazy as I was before. You may come to the Lord crazy. You ought not stay crazy. You may come broke. You ought not stay broke. You may come sick. You ought not stay sick. Your marriage may come jacked up. It ought not stay jacked up. Especially when you go to a church where you see signs, wonders, and miracles taking place all of the time. You ought to look and go, if they got healed, I'm taking my healing. Oh, she used to be crazy. I know she used to be crazy. Look how her Facebook page has changed. I know she used to be crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and follow the path, and I'm going to take my victory. Amen. Psalms 119 and 45. He says, and I will walk at liberty and at ease, for I have sought and required for and desperately required your precepts. This is what he's saying. He's saying, the psalmist is saying, I walk at ease even when it doesn't look easy because the word of God is what guides me. The word of God is what guides me. A lot of people love Jesus. But they don't love the word. They don't like to read it. They don't want to study it. They spend their whole day doing everything, never making any time for the word. They know the word to every song. Kiki, y'all, some of y'all can't Kiki, are you with me? You know that. But scriptures we've been quoting since January. You haven't taken the time to put them in your heart. And I ain't got nothing against Kiki. I'm just saying that when you get in trouble, Kiki ain't the name that's going to deliver you. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Ain't nothing wrong with kiki but make sure that before you do your Kiki that you got a word from the Lord that's going to hold you up when the enemy comes for you. Because when the thief comes in and the enemy comes in like a flood, it ain't Kiki that's bringing no deliverance. See, I want y'all to know I listen to music too. Uh-huh. Luke 4, 18. Shout, I'm going after my freedom. You ever notice that people who are serious about being champions, people who are serious about victory live differently than people who aren't? People who are serious about freedom live different. I sent Edwin and Chase the other day 
I got on Instagram, and the first thing that came up was LeBron working out. Now, it's the summertime, but LeBron was working out. This ain't about whether you like LeBron or not. We're not going to have that discussion. The point is, is that because LeBron sees himself as a champion, wants to be a champion, that early in the morning he was working out while somebody else was chilling. So early in the morning, are you going after the word? Or early in the morning, are you chilling? And then when the enemy shows up, are you now trying to find a word? You should have started with the word. So then you would know how to live through the day. Amen? I want to help you. No matter how many scriptures we give you on Sunday, it is not enough for you to live on through the week. The scriptures that we give you on Sunday, they are not enough for you to live on during the work. You must get in the word for yourself. You must know what God is saying for yourself. Let's look at what Jesus said in Luke 4 and 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of the sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus said that he came to get the people that were in bondage. He didn't come to bring you into the kingdom and you keep your bondage. He came to bring you into the kingdom so your bondage would have to leave you. Amen. Say, I'm getting free from everything that does not belong to me. But one of the things that Pastor Edwin and I say all the time is like when we're talking about healing, we'll be talking to people about going after their healing and stuff. And it's interesting that people will claim things that they don't want. So the Bible says by his stripes, we were healed. That means you were healed before sickness showed up. That means that if you are a born again, blood ball believer, any sickness that is in your body is there illegally and it does not belong there. I know what the doctor said, but let's remember the doctor, are do, the doctor is doing the very best they can, but they just practice it. If there is sickness in your body and you are a blood-bought believer, it is illegal. But the moment you claim it, it's not illegal. So people say, my diabetes, my cancer, my sickness. Why would you claim something that Jesus didn't give you? My allergies, my depression, my anxiety. And one of the tricks of the enemy is to get you to claim something. The Bible says you call those things that be not as though they were. It means it looks like this. We don't claim it as ours. We acknowledge it as a reality. But what we acknowledge is that the truth of God is higher than a present reality. So yes, today in my blood, I may have X, 
But the truth is higher than that, which is that there is a name that is above all other names. And I'm telling you, if you don't believe this, you don't even foundationally understand what Christianity is. Christianity is not a place where we come and we get kicked around by life, kicked in the face by every devil, knocked down, beat up, battered, and then we go to heaven one day and live better. The Bible says we can pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ain't nobody in heaven sick. Ain't nobody in heaven got depression. Ain't nobody in heaven broke. Ain't nobody in heaven bound. Your expectation ought to be whatever God says for my life. I don't care how crazy you think I am. Baby, I'm so past caring how, what you think about me being crazy. I think about now, Pastor Elwin says, he says, your favorite testimony to tell is Jordan. It absolutely is. Jordan is my favorite. She walked through the house talking the other day. I said, come here. I said, I just, I want to tell you, I love your voice. I just like how your voice sounds. Because you weren't even supposed to have one, so I like it so much. But when we were standing and fighting for Jordan, people kept telling us how crazy we were. How extreme we were. How we should just accept it. Now you can be extreme for the Razorbacks. Travel all the way to Wisconsin. Buy tickets. Take off work. Buy new shirts from the 37 you already had. And everybody thinks that's cool. But if you draw a line in the sand and say, nope, I'm not getting divorced. My marriage will be happy. I'll come against every curse. Now you're extreme. If you say, nope, we're not going to have sickness and disease in our family. No, we're coming out of poverty. Yes, we are going to buy a house. Yes, I'm, no, I'm not going to live paycheck to paycheck. Now you're extreme. Why is it that you can be extreme for everything but Jesus? And the people who judge you most for being extreme for Jesus are other believers. You got to decide you would rather be free than to please them. When a woman with the issue of blood wanted to be free, she risked death to be free. It was, you don't understand the magnitude of this. In those days, when a woman was bleeding, she could not go out in public. And she certainly could not go where a priest was. But she is bleeding and has been bleeding for 12 years. But she gets a word in her mind and she says, but if I can touch him, my blood will stop. She presses through the cloud. You don't even understand. The first person she touched, they could have stoned her. But she kept on pressing and pressing and pressing. And then she touched him. And he said, I fe- wait, somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. And his disciples went, what do you mean, Jesus, somebody touched you? Don't you see all these people? He said, no, 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 somebody touched me. See, lots of people come to church, but not everybody touches him. Lots of people come, but not everybody touches him. He always stops for somebody that touches him. The Bible says that the woman realized she could not hide any longer. And she came to the front and she told him her story. And he said to her, your faith, not not my faith, your faith has made you whole. Faith will make you whole. You will come in broken and battered and bruised, rejected by your father. Your mama didn't treat you right. Your boyfriend broke your heart. And you will call on Jesus. And what was broken, your 
somebody touch me. I felt power go out. Virtue left me. Somebody touch me. Somebody came in fellowship of champions this morning and said, I'm not going home the same. I'm not going home the same. I'm going to touch him. When blind Barmaeus was in the tree, he was crying out. He was crying out, Jesus, Jesus. They said, be quiet. He said, Jesus, Jesus. He said, be quiet, Jesus, until he got Jesus' attention. But the reason I love the story of blind Barmaeus is because this is what you got to pay attention to. When Jesus called him, he threw off his blind cloak. See, back then, you wore a cloak that signified you was blind so that people knew to watch out for you. But before he got to Jesus, just by the fact that Jesus called him, he threw off the thing that he had been identified by. Some of you don't even realize you just need to throw off some of the stuff you've been identified by. You've told that story too many times. You've lived in that rejection too long. You've stood in that bondage too long. How much longer are you going to be mad? Ain't you tired of being mad? Ain't you tired of being angry? Aren't you tired of being miserable? Throw it off and come to Jesus. Throw it off and come to Jesus. I want you to just stand and worship for just a second. often come to Jesus aren't you tired of suicidal thoughts aren't you tired of depression riding your back aren't you tired of sickness on top of sickness on top of sickness there is a Jesus that is bigger than your struggle and at the name of Jesus We call for a release of the power of God. Mark us. Make us different. We don't want to be Christians in name. We want to be Christians in power. Hallelujah. Come on, take your seat, take your seat. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17. We just got a few more scriptures. Today, I'm not so much trying to get you to write down 27 scriptures as I'm trying to get you to decide that bondage is not your inheritance. I'm trying to provoke you and push you into a place where you literally say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. See, sometimes you think all the prophetic words are thus saith the Lord God Almighty, but that right there was a prophetic word. Enough is enough. I'm just not going to take it anymore. 2 Corinthians 3 17 It says, now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Understand this. The enemy works hard to get believers to believe that they do not need the Holy Spirit because there is no liberty without him. So the enemy works hard 
to get you to believe that once you confess Jesus as your personal savior, that now your Christianity should be walked out in your intellect because the enemy can always defeat you in your intellect. I said to Ellen the other day, I said, you know, the truth of it is, is that it's the spirit of stupid that even makes a man think that he can beat the devil in his intellect. Literally, the devil been being the devil since before the beginning of time. And you've been here 40 something years and now you go outthink the devil. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And that's the reason that people will come to a church and the spirit of, of the praise and worship will be high. The worship will be high. The word will be high. But you got you to go to the bathroom 20 times. Everybody and your mama calling you. You know what people did before they had cell phones? They didn't answer the phone in church. You know why? It wasn't no phone to answer. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the enemy works to make you think you don't need the spirit of the Lord so he can wear you out. Listen, the devil don't care that you saved. In fact, the devil loves to see a believer who confesses Jesus who get their tail kicked every day by him. Because it really, he uses it as a witness to try to minimize how great Jesus is. What he cares about is when you start taking your freedom. The devil wouldn't have cared if we had stayed married. And the whole time we was married, we were still acting as ignorant as we were when we was 23. We just look a mess. That marriage isn't a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. You just look ignorant. You just, that, that, that's what it looks like. You like praise the Lord in the morning, and then at noon you're cussing somebody out. And then in the evening, if we don't come get you, you go go to jail. And then at 8 o'clock, now you're about to repent, and in the morning you start over with praise and worship. But there's no liberty in you that lets you change long term. Amen. Okay. Say so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. John 16 and 13. Shout, I'm taking my freedom. No, you're you, you saying it's so weak, but really, you got to take your freedom. Like, have you not ever been in a situation where somebody was trying to take something from you? I was thinking the other day, they don't even know this, but the other day, I was in Sam's yesterday, and when I was in Sam's, I saw this girl that Taylor used to play basketball against. And when I saw the girl, I was like, oh, my God, she was humongous. Right? Like she was much bigger than Tay because she was as big as I was. Like, and I was thinking about whenever Tay would play that girl, she would come out like a lion. And she'd go after every jump ball. And I remember one time that her and this girl was fighting over the ball. And you'd have thought Tay grew about five inches. She was like, you can't have a ball today. There has to be something in you that says, you can't have my peace today. You ain't taking no more of my money. We done had enough sickness in this family this year for the next 15 years. Enough is enough. Our kids have never had the flu. Praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. Our kids have never had the flu. Every year, they would send us the note and say, your kid needs to get the flu shot so they don't get the flu. And we would go, nope. They already got their flu shot. Now, 
I'm not telling you not to get the flu shot. I'm telling you that God told us for our kids not to get the flu shot. So we stood on the word. There have been times that it's been 15 kids out with the flu in one of our kids' class, but they didn't get the flu. Somebody says, you can't say that. We did. We did. The nurse would call and she would go, you know, Miss Strickland, it's probably not a wise thing to do. You're, I, ta- I talked to your kid and they told me that Jesus was their flu shot. He is. They did. We agree. Amen. Praise the Lord. Have a great day. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I know that people think we crazy. I don't care. My kids have never had the flu. I know people think we crazy. We had an incident on our street where they were stealing all the Christmas presents from the front doors. We went outside. We was like, we declaring in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that if anybody steals our Christmas present, the angels go hold them down until we get back and we, the police is go um, get them because you can't steal our stuff, right? Every year we declare that they never stole our Christmas presents. The one year we forgot, guess what happened? They were still from the house. Beside, every house around us but our house, and can't nobody in our neighborhood get more Amazon packages than we do. But we made a declaration that we agree. See, you have to believe that you are a believer and you're in this earth, but you're not of this earth. That you have kingdom citizenship on the inside of you. So when I'm looking at gas prices, I'm not tripping off gas prices because my father owns everything. And I know my father got no enough. So I don't say stupid stuff on my social media like, oh my God, these gas prices getting so high. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I've been doing. I'm going to drive my car everywhere I've been driving it because my God has more than enough. I'm a fill up. I ain't never getting no seven dollars and one cent of gas. I've been delivered from that. I had to do that in college. Praise the Lord. I've been delivered. I ain't never going back to that. Never going back to that. God is well able. And if you don't believe it, it's why you live the way you live. If you don't believe he can heal anything, if you don't believe that he can free from anything. If you don't believe that he can do anything, it's the reason that even though you love him, you live in so much bondage. Amen. John 16, 13. John 16, 13. It's something I really got to get to because I want to show you what I'm saying is Bible. I want you to understand that the, the level of intensity and aggression that we have about the word is Bible. It's the passive people. Y'all the ones ain't Bible. The aggressive people are Bible. The passive believers, you're the one that's not Bible. And we got to switch that mentality. John 6 and... No, 16. You right. Way to pay attention. Look at y'all. Fast class. It says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. It says the job of the Holy Spirit is to tell you the truth. The job of the Holy Spirit is to tell you the truth. So the teacher will go, 
I'm sorry, your child has a learning disability. And the Holy Spirit will then tell you whether that's true or not. And then you got a choice whether you're going to agree with the teacher or the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, say, in every situation, you either agree with heaven or you agree with hell. You are either agree because the Bible says that right now, until Jesus comes back, that the prince of this earth is the devil. So it says the destruction that you see going on is the devil. So you either agree with heaven or you agree with hell. I don't care how well-meaning you are. I don't care how well-meaning you are. You have to make a decision. Teenage parents. There is absolutely no biblical scripture that when your kids are teenagers that they have to be disobedient, disrespectful, and rebellious. It ain't Bible. Now what it is is tradition. What it is is experience, but it's not Bible. You have a blood-bought right to have whatever this Bible says you have. The right to have, you just got to be bold enough to go get it. Amen. First Peter 2 and 6, this is out of the English Standard Version. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into truth. Amen. And then 1 Peter 2 and 6 in the English Standard Version, it says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil. He says, live as people who are free. But don't let your freedom be an excuse to do stuff that puts you back in bondage. It says, live as people who are free. The Bible says like this, you can do anything you want to do, but you ought to ask yourself, is this going to create more bondage for my life? You can eat anything you want to eat. You are free to eat anything you want to eat. But do you know, I, I love you so much, but do you know if you eat stuff that you know make you sick, that's the spirit of stupid? You know that ice cream is going to lock your stomach up. You know that you're going to be laying in a fetal position. But you say, I love this ice cream so much that I am willing to eat it for five minutes to be in pain for five hours. He says, live as free people and don't let your freedom be used to do evil stuff. Somebody like, don't talk about my food. Now listen, you want to make the saints mad? Talk about the food. I'm not going to today. Let's keep going. Galatians 5. Tell your neighbor, say, live as a person who's free. Free people just don't do everything. Galatians 5. It's one of the deceptions of the enemy is to make people who live in righteous feel like they're missing something. So I'm going to give you an example. Like, people who don't drink, like, so first of all, when people get drunk and they talk about how great it is, they're lying. You're lying. And if you think it's drunk, great to be drunk, there's that spirit of stupid I was telling you about right there. Because people who get drunk do things like put their face where their behind usually sits. You put your whole face in the toilet, but that's turn up. 
Oh, that was so lit. Yeah. See, because what you typically don't understand is that when the people are showing you the high part, they're not showing you where they had their head in the toilet where they usually poop. Ain't nothing fun about that. But what the enemy will try to do to somebody who's never been drunk is make you think that you're missing something. And then you do it, and you just like, they lied. This was so stupid. I feel like such an idiot. But then, if you're not really committed to living in freedom, you'll let them talk you into doing it again. And then you will forget what it felt like to dry heave. Your insides ain't nothing left. You got to now drink water in order to get something to come up. And you will take that spirit of stupid right back out there and do it again. But the Bible says even though you could get drunk, live as you free. Even though you could. No, no, because you thought I was finna say if you get drunk, you ain't saved. You saved because you believe in Jesus. I'm just saying that this show is crazy to be saved and have Jesus living on the inside of you and be constantly sticking your head in the toilet. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. This week, I ain't gonna even talk about the people that get you to get in bed with them and then you feel bad. I'm just gonna, you just, you gonna reflect on your own memories and come back to that. I'm gonna hit that next week. We're gonna move on to the next thing. But you live as free. But don't use your freedom to be evil, to do evil stuff. Paul says you can do anything, but everything ain't expedient. Sometimes you just know because God is working on your life. God is working on your life and the things you used to do, they just don't fit you anymore. You didn't want to go to the club, but you went to the club. Now you're mad because people touching you in the club. That's what people do. It's small space. All the people be on top of each other. They touch each other. Why are you upset? You mad because it smells like cigarette smoke. What do you think it was going to smell like? Febreze It's a club. That's what people do in the club. They smoke. They drink. When that stuff starts to happen to you, that's God trying to pull you out of what had you bound. You used to talk to dudes and girls just because you're bored. Then you end up caught in bad situations. And then in the first conversation, the Holy Ghost be like, block them. You're like, I'm bored. I want to have somebody to hang out with. God is trying to pull you out of what you used to be bound to. Amen. Let's go to, I say Galatians, but let's go to 2 Timothy 1, and then we're going to just do two more scriptures. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. Second Timothy 1 and 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Say, I have power, love, and a sound mind. You know that spirit of stupid I just talked about? Jesus set you free from that. You don't have to live your whole life as a believer doing stupid stuff. Always repeating the same cycle. Jesus set you free. He's given us the power to break cycles. He hasn't given us fear, but he's given us power and he's given us love and a sound mind. All right, let's look at Matthew 11 and 12. And then one more scripture after that. Shout, this is my month of freedom. freedom. Say everything Everything. 
that tried to bind me must leave. That means some of y'all going to have to break up with some stuff. Some of y'all going to have to break up with some stuff. You're going to have to break up with some people. You're trying to live. Listen, me and Chris was talking about this the other day. If you want to be on fire for Jesus, you cannot have close friends who are not on fire for Jesus. I ain't say they can't be your friends. I'm saying you cannot be on fire for Jesus and have close friends who are not on fire for Jesus because your environment is always working on you. Your environment is always working on you. So when you get on fire for Jesus, you got to pray that your friends get on fire or you got to find you some friends who get on fire because your environment is always working on you. And some of you, if you are honest, your bondage comes because you get on fire for God and then you end up going back to the friends who ain't ready to shift yet and then you end up in the, back, the same situation that you were in before. Okay. Let me, let me, all right. Listen. You can't have a happy marriage hanging with people who don't like marriage. You cannot. You cannot have a happy marriage hanging with people who don't value marriage. Because your environment is always where it's always going to be some person who will be like, I'm the one exception. One exception. Look at the statistics. Your environment is always working on you. So when we wanted to change our marriage, we had to get rid of the people in our life who didn't like marriage. We had to find some people who really liked each other. We had to learn from them. How are you going to have a happy marriage when the people you hang with, their marriage worse than yours? You the, your marriage is a three on a scale of one to ten, and their marriages is twos, ones, and negative. How are you going to get better hanging with them? You got to be a three and find you some eights. You got to be a three and find you some eights. You got to be like, wait a minute. Did you see how when she asked him for help in the kitchen, he didn't cuss her out? Look at that. Whoa. Oh, so you mean I'm not supposed to. Ooh. Ooh. Because the Bible says to follow after those who through faith had patience have obtained the promise. I'll never forget. I guess we have been. I don't know, we, we hadn't been married 10 years, and we went to Texas. And no, we, was, we just happened to end, end up, instead of going to a hotel, some friends invited us to spend the night. And in that house, it was three couples, and they had all been married over 25 years, which at the time seemed significant to us because we had just been married about 10 years. And they were like, we're going to talk to y'all about marriage. And... It's, first of all, it was like they were speaking a foreign language. We was like, they were saying, you know, this was the first thing they said that always sticks with me. My goal is to outserve my spouse every day. We was like, what? <laughs> what, 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 is, what? What does that even mean? They were like, we don't keep record of who got water the last time. Or which restaurant we lean toward. They, they just, and, and we could just see our mentality just dismantling. Now, I don't remember what else much that they said, but I think for about three years, we lived off of just learning how to, un how to outserve each other. That's a principle that changed our marriage. So, if you're trying to change your marriage, who are you hanging with? If you're trying to come out the streets, who are you hanging with? Because you can't come out the streets hanging with the streets. 
You're trying to come out of fornication. Who you hanging with? You can't be hanging with the friends who like, girl, let me tell you what happened last night. Oh, no. You got to be like, no. You got to get you some good, saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled people that you can talk to at 3 o'clock in the morning. All right. Matthew 11 and 12. Pastor, did you say go to sleep? Go to sleep. <laughs> it's practical. Go to sleep. <laughs> oh, let me give you some other practical guidelines. Turn your ringer off so you can't hear your phone ding. Because if you can't hear that they called you, then you can't answer the phone. Somebody says, why do you say stuff like that? Because we got a lot of young people in this church. And we got a lot of old people who still do stupid stuff. So we're just trying to help everybody. I mean, we just, try, you know. Because people go, people go out and they go, the church doesn't talk about practical things. I'm going to practically help you keep your goodies to yourself. Turn your ringer off and go to sleep. All right. Matthew 11 and 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, and the violent taketh by force. I'm actually going to end with this scripture. If you're going to get free, you have to be forceful. I was saying to somebody the other day, I had to do this teaching call. And on the teaching call, they were saying, I noticed that your church has a lot of miracles. And we don't hear about a lot of churches. We have a lot of miracles here, y'all. I mean, they may not seem like a lot to you, but comparatively, we have a lot saying we're going to have more. And so they said, why do you think that we, that these people were talking about themselves, don't see as many miracles as you guys see? And I said, well, to quote Pastor Cynthia, we've learned to take God seriously, Right? So when we're going after freedom, when we find out something is in the word, we become like pit bulls about it. See, you got to find your lion, your pit bull, your aggressive, don't back up, don't bow down mentality. And once we find out God has something for us, we don't compromise what God said to do it. So I'll give you an example. We talk about financial freedom. And we talk about the principles of financial freedom. But in the kingdom, one of the principles of financial freedom is tithing. So what you'll do because you want to be financially free is go to somebody and let them tell you that if you don't tithe, you can be free faster. Except the problem is, is that you may be free faster, but now you don't have any supernatural protection when life comes. So you may get it in the natural faster, but what we have is the thing that preserves us when storms come. And that's the reason that no matter how high gas get, we still go drive our cars. Because you got to be careful when you're going after God that you don't, uh, the challenge for a lot of people is that you want what God promised, you don't really want God. You want what God promised. You want to live life and live it more abundantly. But you don't want to crucify your flesh and follow after him. You want to have a great marriage, but you don't want to do the things that he tells you to do. You want to live a ball of life, but you, don't, you want to be like Solomon, but you don't want to do the things that Solomon did. 
And any time as a believer, you exalt the gifts more than the giver, it's idolatry. And you put your credit score or the money in your account or even a person that you prayed for. You ask God to give you somebody to spend your life with and then you exalted them higher than God. And anything you exalt higher than God, you go lose. Pastor Edwin and I, we love each other a lot. But we always are clear with each other. We love God more than we love each other. If Pastor Edwin was like, you know, I don't think I'm going to church no more. You sure? We should have a meeting for the pastor. He don't think he come to church no more. Well, what, what are you going to do? I'm going to come to church. Because I've been assigned here. And if he quit, that ain't got nothing to do with me. So you'll pray for a boat, and then you'll miss church to be on the boat. You'll pray for a promotion, and then you get the promotion. You'll be like, God, if I had a promotion, I'll give more, I'll do more, and then you'll get it and you don't do it. Don't make stuff idols, because if you make stuff and people idols, you can't live in victory. Everybody in this room, you got dreams and destiny on your life. But your dreams and destiny can't be more important than your God. Here's one of the things that you can always do to check your heart. Would you give it all up for him? I know he told you that you were going to be X. See, because he told Abraham he was going to have a son. And Abraham had to wait years for that son. And then God asked him for that son. Do you love God enough that if the guy finally showed up and you was getting ready to get married and God said, walk away, do you love him that much? I mean, invitations. I mean, the people have come. Everybody's ready. Your dress is done. Do you love him enough to be like, this morning the Lord told me don't marry him, so I can't do it. I know you want a promotion, but do you love him? Do you love him enough that if he say don't touch that one? Because sometimes, see, the problem is, is that you'll build a Christianity that says God gives you everything you want. God doesn't give you everything you want. He gives you everything he has for you. And sometimes what you want isn't for you. Just because you want it doesn't mean it's for you. So we're getting ready to wrap up, but this is what I want you to really ask yourself to stop and think about for a moment. This thing that you believe for, everybody got dreams. Everybody knows what great victory means to them. But if he asked you for it, could he have it? Could he have that dream job? Because when yes becomes your answer to that, nothing can hold you in bondage. You know that's really why people don't tithe? Because the money's more important than obeying God? We, when we learned how to tithe, we was like, if our lights get cut off, we don't care. 
Somebody go, I wouldn't do that. Because you wouldn't do that, that's why you've never known that he's faithful. I'll, can he have anything you have? Because that's where freedom is birthed. If he told you to get up and pray every morning at 5, would you discipline yourself to do it? If you was getting ready to book a vacation and he told you to take that money and send somebody else on vacation, would you do it? If you was in the store and he told you to empty out your wallet for a lady walking through the store, would you do it? Because people who live like that, those are the people who walk in victory. Those are the people who tread upon serpents and nothing shall by any means harm them. Because those are the people that are not tied to anything but Jesus. I pray over this church that we will become a people that is not tied to anything but what Jesus said. I'm going to do what he said, even if it looked like it cost me everything. I spent my whole life wanting to be a lawyer. My whole life. My first year of law school, the Lord said, you can finish, but I don't want you to practice. You don't want me to practice? And you still want me to finish? Okay. That okay wasn't just okay. That was okay with crime. That was okay with reasoning. That was okay with looking for somebody to justify why I had missed God. But when I came back to it, every single time he was like, I didn't create you to practice law. That's not what I want you to do. Is that, I was saying to Chris the other day, there are five things in the mark of every believer from every generation that you can prove, you can test it. Five things, you should write these down. Every powerful believer gives the word first authority, first and final authority. Every powerful believer puts the word first and the word is final. That means that the word is what I'm looking for first and the word also, it also resolves my disputes. If I'm not sure what I want to do, sometimes I don't want to forgive people, but what the Bible say? Forgive them. So you know what I do? I forgive them, not because I wanted to, but because he first and final. Number two, powerful believers pray. They don't pray sometimes. They don't pray just when they're in trouble. They pray without ceasing. Powerful believers are always listening to what God is saying. Powerful believers can be in a room of a thousand people and hear God tell them to talk to one. Powerful believers can be on their way to a party and hear the Lord say, don't go. Powerful believers pray. The third thing that powerful believers do is victorious believers, free believers do, they fast. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. The truth of it is, is that some of the sickness in our body would go away if we just fast more. The truth of it is we just eat too much. Eat too much, eat too often, eat too much of the wrong stuff. I'm not talking about dieting. I'm talking about turning down your plate in obedience to God. Very different than dieting. Because it makes you dependent on God. Because you mess around and go five days with no food, you become real, real clear that God can sustain you. You get to 11 days with no food, 
you know that you know that you know there is a God. Fast. Powerful believers fast. The third, the fourth thing that powerful believers do is that they give. Powerful believers are not trying to see how much they can keep from God. Powerful believers have to be told to keep some of it for themselves. You can tell a giver, because a giver, the Lord, I have to tell them, no, you can keep that. People who really givers are looking to bless somebody. And then the fifth thing that all powerful believers do is they walk in faithful obedience. I do what God tells me to do. Man, it ain't always easy to do what God tells you to do. I ain't even trying to set you up. There are going to be some people God going to tell you to walk away from. It's going to be some people you don't necessarily want to fool with. God going to tell you to fool with them. It's going to be some things you wanted to, get, to keep and he going to tell you to give it. It's going to be some things you wanted to say, he going to tell you to hush. It's going to be some things you didn't want to say, he going to tell you to say. It's going to be some times you wanted to eat and he going to tell you to fast. It's going to be some times you wanted to sleep and he tells you to pray. But it's a lifestyle of faithful obedience. And as you practice doing it, it gets easier. And you start seeing sweatless victory. You ain't got to struggle so hard for your victory. A lot of times people out here trying to get the victory, if you just obey God, the victory would come to you. So I just want to pray as we leave. I want to pray that we would have a spirit of obedience. And that we would exalt God to his rightful place. The truth of it is, is that only you and God know if there is something in your life that's higher than he is. Your wife shouldn't be higher than Jesus. People sometimes ask me, they go, what would you do? Because you know we live in a place where people are still trying to decide whether women are called to preach or not. And so people be like, what would you do if Pastor Elwin told you you couldn't preach? Did Pastor Elwin make me? Now he could tell me I couldn't preach here. But he can't stop me from preaching. He he make me. What do I do if my husband tells me I can't tithe? Believe God for the tithe and tithe? Believe God and tithe off what you have? What do I do if my so-and-so says what? Well, what did God say? What did God say? When you get to the point that nobody trumps God, victory will be your name. That's the truth. We had a girl, Nitra. Nitra went to school, and she needed a class to graduate. And that class was held on Thursday, and we used to have Bible study on Thursday night. And Nitra was like, I, and, the, and the class was only offered once every year, and she needed it to graduate. And she came to us, and she said, I'm not missing Bible study for a semester. So I need everybody to agree with me that they'll move this class. She went to them and she asked them to move the class and they laughed at her. And she said, I don't care. I'm not missing Bible study every Thursday. And the week before the class started, that person got sick, couldn't teach the class and they ended up moving the class to Monday night. That's what happens when people say, I'm only doing what God told me to do. 
So God, if I do what you tell me to do, you got to work out the rest of it. She didn't have the power to make them move to class, but she had the power to say, ah, well, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to do what God said. How many times are you compromising trying to get what God said? Tell your neighbor, say, God does not need you to compromise to get what he said. Just do what he said. So I want to pray for us. I'm not going to even make you stand. That any idolatry in our heart, anything we have exalted above Jesus, tear it down. You know who has to tear down the idols in your life? You do. You got to pull them down. If you smart, you know what you got to make sure? That your intellect not an idol. Because smart people tend to think they smarter than God. So God will give you an instruction and you'll go, that don't make sense. Like God crazy. Your knowledge is incomplete. His is full. So, I just want you. I'm going to do it like I did it last week. Pastor was like, why would you do it that way? Because God said so. Close your eyes. And if you're like, you know what, there's some, something in my life, and I think that thing in my life, it probably has wrong place. And I didn't mean to put it in the wrong place. I didn't mean to let my kid become more important than doing what God told me to do. I, I didn't mean to let my husband take such a high place in my life. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to do that, and I need your help to get it back right. I just want you to lift your hand and put it back down. I got this thing in my life. It's out of place. Praise the Lord, I see your hands. Praise the Lord, I see your hands. God, I got these things that are out of place in my life, and I don't want anything to be more important to you because I really do love you. I really do love you. So let's pray, and then after this, we're going to be dismissed. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, you saw the hands that went up. Anything in our life that we've exalted before you, we repent for it. Help us to operate in the right alignment where what you say is first. Help us to trust you enough that even when it looks like we're going to lose by putting you first, that we'll do it anyway and watch the victory come. Help us not to be bound by our fears, our low expectations, our past experiences. Help us to trust you with our whole lives. And if you do that, we'll be so careful to give, us, give you the praise. Father, everything in our life that is keeping us from victory, we give it to you now. And we declare this is our month of freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.